Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Upfront program. And uh, I invited um, Mr. Uh, Chairman of the School Committee, Paul Barger, and Mr. Uh, Superintendent of the Schools, Dr. Patrick McGee, to the radio station. And they are in the building, as they say. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate that. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, so, Roger. listeners. I always like to find a unique way to um, ask a question. So yesterday I was driving by Globe Park School, and, um, and I, I was looking in the parking lot, and I saw so many cars, and I said, this school looks like it is practically 100% functional. So the question is, using Globe as an example, what is uh, from K to 12, uh, what's the status of, of schooling in Woonsocket on the 14th of April? Mr. Superintendent, you are on. Thank you, Roger. So last week, we started a two-phase process of uh, offering our families the option of coming in uh, full in person, Monday through Friday, um, with the exception of uh, grades 1 two, three, and four on Mondays until May 3rd, and that's due to the RICAST testing of students who have been out virtually. So last week, we brought back all of the students uh, who chose to come back, as I said, um, in grades one and two, six, nine, and 12. And this week, we have brought back all of the students who wish to return um, in grades three, four, five, seven, eight, 10, and 11. So we're very excited. I'm very excited that uh, we, we have students that are returning. Uh, I've been in every building since last week, and it's just really exciting, and it's really nice to see more than, you know, four or five or six students in classrooms. Not all of our families chose to uh, send their students back in person, and that's okay. Those that chose not to are continuing to learn virtually with uh, with our teachers. So it's just, it's very exciting, um, you know, to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel and to, to have students uh, back in classrooms where they belong. Um, we, however, are, are still seeing uh, COVID cases in the district. We're, we're actually seeing uh, an uptick in, in students testing positive, um, unfortunately. Um, but when that happens, we're doing what we've done from, you know, ever since the beginning of the school year. And we are, you know, quarantining those classes that need to be quarantined for uh, 14 days. So give us percentages. Uh, how is that helps? I mean, are we half back? Are we a quarter back? Uh, 75? I, I would say we're we're probably a little less than than half back. Um, it, it it really depends on the schools. There are some schools where more students have, have elected to return. Globe Park being one of them. So it, it was uh, it, it interesting that you you happen to drive by. Um, so you'd be you were correct. There there would be more students um, at Globe Park than than other students. Uh, than other schools, rather. Uh, the high school, I would say about maybe 300 total um, have, have returned. So the numbers at the high school are, are not terribly high. Um, and again, you know, we, we left that decision up to the parents and the families and the guardians as to whether they would choose to return. But, but again, it, it's, it's very, very heartening to see students back in classrooms. The students are excited. Uh, I, I know that the families are, are excited for their for their children to be back in school five days a week. So, you know, I hope as we, 
you know, continue through the end of the school year that the number of, of positive cases are low. Um, but again, when we do get a positive case, you know, we um, conduct the contact tracing procedures. And when we have to quarantine or close down a class, we close down or quarantine a class. Mr. Uh, Chairman of the school committee, uh, do you see, um, do you have a, another slant on the answer that uh, the superintendent gave from uh, your perspective? I'm going to go back to what we've been hearing uh, for months, Roger. Um, parents that we heard for months and months and months that I want my children back in school. They're emotionally affected by COVID. Uh, they're not learning much of anything uh, at home. Um, the moaning and groaning went on. And yet, here we are with the opportunity to come back in person, 100%. We've got a less than half. So it was a obviously a small minority that was complaining because... If, if parents have chosen to stay at home, keep their kids at home, obviously they weren't that much in a hurry to send them to school. Um, and they must feel that their, uh, their kids are doing very well, or well enough, staying at home. So to me, it's a surprise that when we open the doors, that uh, a, a larger percentage should have come. I mean, and the ones that have come, uh, we've noted that uh, they're acting like it's September 1. They're all excited. They're glad to be back to see their classmates, their teachers. And so it was, it's been a good experience for them. So we invite parents, you know, uh, to send your kids to school. Um, so I'm, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't have more uh, that have come to school um, based on the outcry that we heard for months. I mean, that's the thing that we've been working so hard to, to do is to get uh, the classes prepared uh, to get our teachers vaccinated, to, to do all the good things. And yet, we're, we don't have 50%. So that's uh, my take on this, Roger. And my uh, take in listening uh, to, uh, to both of you respond um, uh, is a theoretical uh, question. But if, if um, COVID disappeared um, immediately and September rolled around in the opening of schools, I'm just wondering how many people would show up. In person at school, you must be wondering that, right? As long as there's the opportunity for virtual learning, there will be some people who will say it's a lot easier to roll out of bed and go to class and do and work on the computers because they've got this now, um, and they may not want to take the uh, the trouble uh, to get their kids ready. Uh, to get their lunches ready, to do all the things to bring them to a bus stop or to bring them to school. Uh, it might be, they may just opt out and say, you know what, I can do this virtually. That's uh, what we're going to do. But if it disappears, will it be offered virtually uh, by the school department? I mean, like... That's correct. That's, that's a <laughs> question. That that's not million dollar question? Yet. Would one of you like to answer that million dollar question? So, I, I'll, I'll give it the first okay. shot. I would like to see as little as possible. Uh, I think you mean little, little virtual. Little virtual uh -huh. as possible. Yeah. Um, I can understand the snow days. When there's a snow day, we, we would have it virtually. Or if there are some other elements that uh, uh, or events that occur that we need a virtual day, but I'd like to see it basically go away um, because kids belong in a classroom. That's where they learn the best, um, and that's why we pay our teachers is to come to, to come to school and teach our kids. 
So I'd like to see as little as possible, but I know we would still have the opportunity to do so, uh, especially when we have inclement weather. Yeah. yeah, your turn. So I would agree with that. I, I think that um, we haven't heard anything from the Department of Education with respect to what options districts will have. I mean, I've heard some rumors about districts like Providence that will offer virtual, but again, it, it you know, it's, it's hearsay. Um, I am leaning towards not um, offering virtual because our students have been out of school and, and those students that, are, that, that have elected not to return uh, right now will have been out of school for more than a, a year, you know, almost a year and a half. And I think that beginning in the fall, all of our students need to be in our schools in person, face to face with a teacher. Uh, so you guys pretty much um, agree that face to face, in person learning is what education is all about. Sure. And not the internet. And uh, now you've got a lot of experience at it to actually make an assessment. I mean, before you had to guess at it, gee, I wonder if virtual learning would be uh, better than in person <laughs> learning. I think we know the answer. Hey, we have a caller, so I uh, want to throw some earphones on. First of all, uh, see if you can hear me in there, uh, because um, I want to make sure. If you can hear yes. me, you'll be able to hear the caller. Can you hear okay, uh, Patrick? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, um, do you have a question for the gentleman in the studio today? Yes. My, uh, well, my comment is this. I really believe that a lot of the parents now that are holding their children out, uh, perhaps those who are chronically absent anyway. We always have a certain percentage of uh, chronic absenteeism, and I wonder if the, uh, uh, the visitors will comment on the fact that, uh, that this is probably what's true, that uh, chronic absentee uh, children are being with, withheld from school right now. And one final question, uh, who will decide when mandatory attendance is necessary. Okay, the questions have been asked, and uh, uh, dial in, and uh, we'll get answers. And I'm going to let um, anybody choose to answer. Who wants to answer? Oh, uh, well, thank you, sir. Typically, uh, we have about 25 percent that's chronically absent. I mean, across the district, mm -hmm. no more than that. So we're looking at almost a little bit more than 50 percent right now. So it's not the chronic absentees. Uh, who are making up this entire number. Um, I do believe there are parents out there that feel schools are not safe. Uh, they want to keep their children safe, and they have, uh, they have that fear of, of, of the disease. So they're keeping their kids home. Uh, and again, I think it's also it's much easier, it may be much easier to just set up a, a study program or just a living program to stay at home. Um, but we will always have chronic absenteeism. Um, and that's something we're constantly working on um, in the school department to try to reduce uh, absentees. Yeah, I think certainly a, a certain percentage of those chronically absent students um, have remained at home um, because it's, it's easy for them to try to stay under the radar, so to speak, right? Um, even though we have students that are out virtually and are not attending, we're still following the same procedures and we're utilizing the same personnel to reach out to those families, to reach out to the students, to reach out to their, their parents, 
to try to find out what's going on, what assistance do they need so that they, they will attend virtually. But it's been, it's, it's been a challenge, certainly, um, since the process started last spring. Um, but there are also other segments of the population, as Chairman Bourget just stated, that um, there are still some families that, that don't feel as though it's safe. Um, there, are, there are still families with children that have some, you know, high-end medical uh, conditions that are still fearful of them coming back um, this school year. So it, it, it's certainly a part of it. I wouldn't say it, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a large part, but th- that, that portion is certainly there within the, um, the, the, the total of, of chronically absent students. And the, the second question that the caller asked, um, compulsory attendance is, is, is a requirement, you know, in, in Rhode Island, which means you, you have to attend school. So, uh, again, we follow the same procedure um, because, unfortunately, we do have a, a high percentage of, of students and families who um, don't send their children or the children don't attend school um, on a regular basis. So, again, we follow the process of, of making contact. Um, we have an attendance. We have two attendance officers. We have counselors, social workers, administrators. Uh, we really do our very best to reach out to families to try to um, ensure that, that they're coming into school regularly. Well, you sort of answered a little bit of my question by saying there are um, a, a small percentage of children who have um, compromised systems, and they have to be careful about getting Correct. the disease. But as a layman's point of view, and this is a fact check now, as a layman's point of view, I'm making the statement that, uh, yeah, you might have an uptick in, in case positives, but I don't, think, I don't think children are getting sick that bad. I mean, I think, it, I think they're ill, um, and that could be wrong. Is that a mis- misconceived so notion? The, the data that I'm getting... Um, and, and again, I, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I receive emails from the Department of Health, and I've, I've been receiving a lot over the last, you know, three, four weeks. And that information just basically tells me who has tested positive in what school and what their, um, their return date would be after, after quarantining. But the anecdotal data that I'm, that I'm hearing from the schools is that the children are, are not getting sick. Um, you know, they, some may be asymptomatic, um, some may be symptomatic, but it's, you know, they're, they're, they're low-grade symptoms. Um, so so they don't appear to be getting, you know, extremely sick from this, although I'm sure that there, there are some that have. I, I know there are some that have over the course of, of the last year, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they're not. Um, fortunately, they're not. And the more that we, um, the more teachers that they get vaccinated, they're protected. Um, we've got COVID cleanup procedures, uh, which you figure before the pandemic, we had kids and teachers and staff who would come in sick. They would go to school sick. They would work sick. They'd sniffle. They'd had cold. You'd hear coughing all day long. I mean, this happened uh, in the workplace, wherever you went. Uh, now we are so the minute you have a sniffle, you stay home or you have any kind of symptom, you stay home, you have to wear a mask, you have to social distance. So you're so th- there is very low. It's a low incidence of, of uh, COVID in our schools, although it does happen. It happens not only in the public schools, but it happens in the Catholic schools as well. So um, we we react. With, we you know, we follow the protocols that we've set up for months now. Uh, if, a, if a student or a teacher comes down with COVID. 
I want to bring up uh, something that you guys brought up for the first time when you were here last time, and that's catch-up learning or whatever the phrase is. And you said that um, programs were going to be developed. I think they haven't been developed uh, at the time you were here, but mm -hmm. are they developing for, for this summer? And uh, to me, catch-up learning goes into two categories. Children who need to uh, be tutored in some way. Uh, but what about the ones, the second category, who just didn't bother? Do you, I guess as a school department, you still have the responsibility to try to reach out for them and uh, try to improve their lot even though they're too lazy to go virtual in the first place. All right, you're on. That's probably the most frustrating part of this are, are the students who didn't attend and they, they didn't attend virtually. And, and again, when I say they didn't attend, I, I, I want to make sure that the listeners understand we've made every attempt possible to try to engage with these students and their families. And it's just very frustrating. So now we're going to, so let's fast forward to the summer. And even now, we're, right now, we're providing opportunities in our schools uh, before and after school. Um, ramp up for 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 students who um, who we've targeted as you know not um, having having the skills currently. So fast forward to the summer. the The frustrating part is going to be we're we're going to offer the programming. We're you know our goal is to offer programming at every single one of our schools. So we would have a site at each of our schools. We're in the process right now of getting the postings out for teachers to to teach these um, remedial mm -hmm. um, ramp up classes so so we're we're gonna we're gonna be there we're the 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 challenging part is having the students come to us um, because you know we're in, in years past we we focus on on a smaller population of students. And I'm gonna focus on the elementary level first because the secondary level, especially the high school, it's credit recovery, right? And it's, you have to take this class over the summer, you pass it, you get the credit. At the elementary school, it isn't so much whether a student is gonna be retained or promoted to the next grade as to why they're in quote unquote summer school. It's to improve on you know their reading skills. Their, their math skills, their writing skills, um, et, et cetera. So this summer, we're, we're going we're gonna to be casting a much wider net to families. So it's not going to just be um, focused on the students that, that are, are the, the lowest academically. We're going to be providing opportunities to, to families um, you know, to, to improve on those skills that, that they you know, have... Um, have been missing for the last year, so we're gonna we're gonna offer it, and I'm hopeful that we're gonna have a lot of teachers that are going to be and a lot of staff that'll be um, teaching th it this summer. But the students have to attend it for it to actually work. Mr. Uh, Chairman, I'm going to uh, ask you to comment on what he was saying, but I'm going to give it to you in another way. I had a guest uh, on. Oh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and the guest explained that the housing authority in Woonsocket had free vaccine available right there in the uh, at Boren Heights and, and uh, Borden Boulevard, right there in the center. You know, they have the uh, 30 percent of the people, less than 30 percent showed up. So in other words, you can have the, the freebie there, you can have the program there, you can have the convenience there. But it must be damn frustrating as uh, chairman 
if uh, they don't come and drink the water at the at the trough. There's nothing we can do about that. Um, you know, the, the numbers will fall the way they are. But what f our listeners and the people in socket don't understand is the amount of work that's being done and continues to be done to try to get the kids to come to school and to learn. Uh, like you said, there are there are children and families with mitigating circumstances, health-related uh, circumstances, but we do have those kids who just don't want to do it, who will not do it. Uh, parents who really don't care and have not invested in their children's education and just let it go by. They had the same behavior before the COVID came. Nothing. COVID <laughs> did not change that at right. all. As a matter of fact, it might have actually underlined it and given them a better route. Mm -hmm. Uh, so all the programs are going to be in place for the summer uh, to try to get all our kids moved along to make up for learning loss. Um, and those uh, high school students who were, uh, you know, failing one or two courses, uh, they will have an opportunity to make that up. But we've got kids who are failing more than that. Um, we've got a small number of kids who are failing, what, three, four courses? That's not because... They're, they're stupid. They're smart. They just don't want to do the work. There is that element that just mm -hmm. won't do the work. And, and frankly, if you if it's peer pressure, in some cases it's peer pressure. One student says, you know, let's do the homework, but we're not going to turn it in. Or we're not going to do the work at all. Look at us. That's the way to go. And so how are they going to fare out? They're not. And it's very frustrating for the superintendent, his, his staff, and for us on the school committee, because we want to see all our students uh, be successful. Frustrating listening to it as a taxpayer. Now, before we uh, have you summarize, I'm not going to ask you the question on how we're going to spend all the federal funding, because you don't know yet. <laughs> we, do, we don't. In fact, yesterday I was on a conference, uh, a Zoom meet rather, and um, what we heard from the Department of Education is that in about two to three weeks, the Department of Ed is supposed mm -hmm. to release the application to school districts, which I'm assuming will provide us with a little bit more detailed information as to exactly how we can spend that money. So that's why I didn't ask you that question, because I know you don't know the I answer. Know uh, Jack Reed doesn't know the answer. Sheldon Whitehouse, Dave Cicilline. Nobody knows the answer yet, It's whether it's municipal or school side. So therefore, to uh, close out the program, I guess I'm going to ask you to... Um, just say what, what is uh, what's the uh, the current message for um, Woonsocket taxpayers and for Woonsocket people who have children in the school. We have functioning schools, right? We, we do. You know that I was just thinking of this here for the last few minutes um, since we we were just talking about the the apathy really of of many families and many students. You know, I would I would just ask. Anyone who's listening right now, anyone who, who knows a, a family, um, who knows a student, um, who knows a parent, et, et cetera, um, that could benefit from the summer ramp up, that could benefit from the programming that we offer to encourage them um, and to, to, to take advantage of this. Because, again, as we talked about, the programs, the, the, the improvement is only as good as the 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 act of participation of the families and the students. So we can put together spectacular opportunities for our students, but if they don't show up, 
they're they're not they're not going to learn anything, and and they're going to start next year, um, you know, uh, two three years behind in some cases. Um, so it, it it's very frustrating. So I would just encourage anyone out there, just please encourage if if you know someone that you know that you think that if you know them you know well that. Please take advantage of the opportunities we're going to be providing this summer. I timed the visit uh, of uh, you on the program because there's a school committee meeting tonight. I was looking at the agenda. I think we've covered the things that the general public needs to know. But looking at that agenda, Paul uh, Berger, um, is there something uh, that people should be looking at uh, in that agenda tonight? Uh, I, when think, they I, think one of the la- I think one of the last items that we're going to discuss uh, is the return to in-person school committee meetings. I mean, we brought all our kids back. We brought our teachers back. And here we are <laughs> holding Google Meet uh, meetings. Um, Good point. If we're, if we're going to bring our students, and since we brought our students back, our staff back, everyone back, I'm looking to um, find a way that we can go back in person uh, at Hamlet Middle School like we've done in the past. And I'm sure we're going to have some COVID limitations in terms of attendance and how we have to separate. And we've got the director of operations now working on this so that we can go back. And I'm hoping to go back uh, on, the, on April 28th. That'd be, that's my target date. Uh, the sooner the better. I mean, that we, we go expect back. you to be there too, Patrick. I will be there front and center, right, sitting right next to the chairman, Chairman Bourget. Yes, I will. So that's that's the item. That well, maybe not right next to him. Uh, we'll be socially distanced. But. I would hope so. Come on. Right. That's right. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Roger. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll do a report from the school department of Woonsocket. And there's a meeting tonight. If you want to hear it, uh, at, uh, what radio station is that carried on? It's, can you say it? We, can we, you say the call in? Sure. We think it's ON. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <clears throat> so if you uh, want to check out the school committee meeting, you can check it out there. Now, um, I have a commercial for Care, Care Kosher. They're certified public accountants, and they're ready to serve you. Care Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Care Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Care Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. See you tomorrow on the Upfront program when we have uh, Christopher Boulay as our co-host. Bye-bye. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Minnesota police made more than 60 arrests for rioting and other offenses during protests for Dante Wright on Tuesday night in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Dante had a warrant and was shot and killed by police as he struggled with officers during an arrest. It should be noted court records show the arrest warrant was for first-degree aggravated robbery with a gun in a December 2019 event. President Biden will withdraw all remaining U.S. troops from Afghanistan by September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attack that prompted America's involvement in our longest war. Officials believe the threat to the United States emanating from Afghanistan is at a level that can be addressed without a persistent military footprint in country. A San Diego Zoo employee was hospitalized Monday afternoon after being bitten by a venomous snake in a non-public area of the zoo. The snake is an African bush viper, and the venom typically kills within days. The condition of the zookeeper is unknown at this time.
USA. Spring is here, and so is New Edge Lawns and Landscape. We're a full-service company offering general lawn maintenance, including weed control, fertilization, mowing, of course, taking care of your shrubs and hedges, dethatching, and we'll even do landscape lighting for you. But we do more than that. Call us for walkways, outdoor fire pits, patios, retaining walls, just to mention a few. And we do this both for the residential and commercial customer. We're a locally-owned family business, so call Matthew and have him come over and give you an idea of what New Edge Lawns and Landscape can do for your property. His number to call, 401-999-5236, and you're calling a Woonsocket-based company. We're experienced in both big and small jobs for all kinds of residential and commercial properties. Whatever your problem, dream, or need, we have the team for you. Call us today, 401-999-5236. 